Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, grab your Bibles and turn with me today to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We'll start at verse 18. Thank you, baby. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, please notice that. He came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm always with you, Jesus said, even to the end of the age. Father, would you add your anointing and your understanding on the the teaching and preaching, on the hearing uh, of your word today. And I pray that you would help us to understand the command, understand the call, and Lord, that you would give us the courage um, to go forward and to put into practice the things that we've learned, that we'd be doers of your word and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, imagine this scenario with me, if you will. You ask your teenage son to cut the grass. You watch him go out and start the mower. You see him going back and forth across the lawn. And in a little while, he comes back to the house, sweat on his little teenaged brow, proud of the work that he's just done and the effort that he's put in. But upon further inspection, there is a problem that you've discovered. He never engaged the blade. Now, here's an easy question. Are you satisfied with the work that he's done this morning? Uh, I'm going to go with no, right? See, here's what we know about, here's what you know about the situation. While you may appreciate him uh, walking out to the storage building and starting the mower, and riding around in really nice rows, making great tight turns and even enduring the midday sun to do it, you can't be satisfied with the work because for all his effort, he failed to do the most important thing, which is cut the grass, (laughs) cut the stinking grass. You didn't need him to look like he was cutting the grass, right? You didn't need him to sweat like... He was cutting the grass. You didn't need him to brush the grass. You needed him to cut the grass. And as a matter of fact, if his turns weren't quite so tight and his rows not quite so neat, but he actually cut the grass, you'd have been quite happy with what he did. As it is, you can't reward him. You can't compliment him. All you can do is point out the problem and send him back out there Hopefully with a better understanding of the objective 
cut the grass, right? And I don't know how many times I've read this scripture that we've read it together in this church. I know I've said this at least a hundred times in the almost nine years that I've been the pastor of this church, but it bears repeating. The mission of this and every Bible-believing church in the world is to go make disciples, period. That's the mission. No more and no less. As a matter of fact, it's called the Great Commission because there is no greater call on the lives of believers than this one. We are to be witnesses of the faith that we have in Jesus, not just with our words, but with our lives. And we're to help push people along in their spiritual development as followers or disciples of Jesus. Because listen, it doesn't matter what else we do. It doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter how good we look. It doesn't matter if we're doing all the things that are expected of great churches or great people. If we aren't making disciples, we're just riding around on our spiritual lawnmowers with the blades turned off. We, we might be making a stir, but we're not making a difference. We might be breaking a sweat, but we're not breaking the chains of sin and condemnation off of people. We might be doing lots of important things, but if we fail to do the most important thing, we can't expect the Father to be pleased with us. And so today I want us to talk about disciple making. Disciple making. Just some big picture stuff. Just what is it? And, and maybe more important, what isn't it? And with the, the goal together today of, being, of, of walking out, being more effective at doing best what he's concerned about most. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Let's start over. Good morning. Would you turn with me to Matthew 28? All right. So let's dive in. Here, here's, the, here's three things that I want you to know about disciple making. Here's the first thing. It's a question. Production or Reproduction. Production or reproduction? Let's read Philippians 1, 15 through 18. Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It's true that some are preaching, Paul saying this, it's true some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend uh, the good news. Those others don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. Look at, look at what Paul said. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I'll continue to rejoice. That is a really interesting passage of Scripture. So let me ask you this question. Is the call of Jesus to the Great Commission, is it to produce disciples or to reproduce disciples? Is there a formula that we use to just like crank out new disciples? Do you just follow the recipe and anybody can do it? You know, this passage of scripture that I just read is terrifying to me. And I think once you understand it, it might terrify you as well. Did you know the Word of God is self-existent and self-sufficient? John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, 
It, it, was, it pre-existed everything that you know and everything you see. The Word and Jesus are synonymous. The Word is God, according to John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. That means His power, the Word of God's power, is self-contained. There's power in the Word of God all by itself. And that power is separate from the vessel that's being used to share it. A clean vessel allows the Word of God to flow more freely. But listen, it does nothing to add anything to its power. It doesn't get more powerful if it's preached sincerely. The Word is infinitely powerful all by itself. A dirty vessel may restrict some of the flow, but it cannot stop the intent of the Word to accomplish its purpose. Isaiah 55 says the Word doesn't return void. It always accomplishes what it sets out to do. You say, John, I'm not sure what that has to do with disciple making, and I don't know why that's so scary. Because to the extent that preaching or sharing the gospel is part of the discipleship process, and it is, then it's easy to mistake the fruit of the word for the fruit of the servant. It's tempting to say, well, it's working, so I must be okay. Well, the church is growing, so I must be okay. People are getting saved, so I must be okay. People are, are, are following Jesus, so I must be okay. In the passage we read in Philippians, Paul said, these jokers are preaching with wrong motives. They're preaching just to make me feel bad. They have their own motives, some just to make money. In other places, he says, some just to make money, some just to perform for a crowd. Paul says, I don't care why they're preaching as long as they're preaching Jesus. Why? He said himself, because the message of Jesus is still being preached. And the obvious uh, the implication is where the message of Jesus is preached, there's hope and life no matter the motive of the person that's preaching it. There is power in the Word of God that stands separate from the vessel that's being used to deliver it. That's good news for you because your access to God is not limited by my faults and failures. God used, John, don't you feel special being a pastor? Well, yes and no because God used a donkey to deliver the truth. Does that mean the donkey was saved? No. One nation hired a prophet named Balaam to curse Israel. God put the words in his mouth to bless Israel instead. Does that mean he was right with God? Oh, goodness, no. He was a prophet for hire. He'd say anything to anybody for the right price. Don't look at people learning about Jesus and take that to mean that God is pleased with you. These guys that Paul is describing are at the very least backslidden. They may not even be saved. Does Jesus want the gospel preached? Yes, he does. Does he want disciples made? Yes, he does. But listen, he is not interested in producing disciples. He wants disciples to reproduce disciples. You say, John, I'm not sure I understand the difference. Well, you produce what you know you reproduce who you are. And what Jesus is calling us to is reproduction. 
Disciples making disciples. Everybody okay? See, it's really important to note in the very first, in, in verse 18, the very first one we read, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he wasn't talking to the crowds. He was talking to the disciples. He wasn't commanding sinners to go and do this. He was commanding those who had already made the choice to follow him. For Jesus, disciple-making is about reproduction, not production. That's his heart towards it. His plan is for disciples to reproduce disciples. Why? Because Jesus doesn't just want them saved. He isn't just interested in saving the world. He's interested in saving you just as much. It's personal for him. He, he wants you to be a disciple before he wants you to go and make disciples. You say, well, but John, people love it when I teach the Bible. They understand the word. They want to learn more. That's great. That means you have a wonderful gift for teaching, but it doesn't mean you are a disciple. So here's my question. Are you a disciple of Jesus today? Because before we talk about anything else about disciple making, that's the most important question. I, I don't receive the call to run out and start producing disciples. Here the call today is to be a disciple first and foremost. So the question is, are you saved? Have you surrendered your life to him? And if you have, are you becoming a disciple yourself? Discipleship has to become a priority in your life uh, internally because it, before it becomes one externally. And, and please don't give me your ministry resume of the things you've done. This is not a question about what you've done. It's, about, it's a question about who and what you are on the inside. So the first thing we need to know about disciple making is that it needs to be reproduction and not production. Now let's look at uh, two more things about making disciples. And to do that, uh, we're going to look back at a scripture that we used last week. Uh, and take a little, a slightly different approach to that scripture. Matthew uh, chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. You'll remember this from last week. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And last week we talked about the, the, what happens when you come to Jesus is you find rest for your soul your mind, will, and emotions. And then he said, my yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. When I try to, to imagine biblical discipleship, this is, what, this is the picture that comes to mind for me. It's the, the being yoked together with Jesus. That was the call. That's what, he, uh, that's what he asked us to do. So let me show you a picture of what this looked like in Bible days. So this, this is what being yoked together looked like in the Bible. Aren't they cute? So these are, uh, th this is an ox. If you're city people, that's an ox. As a matter of fact, that's two. Uh, it's two <clears throat> ox eye or whatever. Anyway, there's two oxes right there, oxen. Um, the, the two things I'd like us to see. Yeah, you can leave that up there as long as they're kind of cute, actually. Um, so there, th some things I want you to see. Uh, from scripture that we just read about the invitation of Jesus to discipleship. 
And here's the first one. And this is, you ain't never heard a preacher use this as a, as a point, I promise you. Um, here's the point. You are never the big ox. <laughs> you are never the big ox. Now, I think this makes uh, some sense when you think about being yoked to Jesus, right? He's the big brother ox who's showing us how to walk, how to carry the load with his power, uh, how to lean on him and depend on him, how to follow the commands that we get, uh, when, when to go and when to stop. It's a beautiful thing being yoked to Jesus. He called us to be disciples, and then he called us to go make or reproduce other disciples. But here, I think, is where we get confused. We think, okay, I get it. I yoke up with Jesus while I grow and learn and get free. That's us, the little guy on the right. And then I yoke up with other people and show them what I've learned. No, 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 that's not, that's not the deal. You are never the big ox. Y'all hear me? Y'all not excited about that as I am to say it. You are never the big ox. You never get to be the big ox. The big ox is always Jesus. Yes, you yoke to Jesus. Yes, you learn and grow and get free. Yes, you go help others. But they're going to get free the same way you got free, by yoking to Jesus, not by yoking to you. You are never the big ox. Jesus is not calling us to make disciples of us. He's calling us to make disciples of him. We are never the big ox. We always bring them to Jesus and show them how to get yoked to him, not how to get yoked to us. You say, but, but didn't Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ? Yes, he did. Follow me to Christ is what Paul is trying to tell them to do. Follow me in the same way that I follow Christ, not follow me instead of following Christ. Now, also understand, 2021 is a lot different than, than 40 or 50 or 60 A.D. When, when Paul was living and leading. In some cases, Paul was the first and maybe the only believer these people had ever met. They had to watch his life to see how to, to apply the, the words of Jesus in their real life. But in watching how he lived, they learned how to connect with Jesus for themselves. As a matter of fact, I can show you in the Word that it was never Paul's intention to get them yoked to himself. Two places, and there's actually more, but just two places I ought to show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. This is what Paul said to them. When, when one of you argues, uh, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? He's talking about himself. We're only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. He said, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants, the one who waters works together for the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers and you're God's field and God's building. Now look at Galatians 4 and 19. This sums it up. Oh, my dear children, I feel like I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until, what's the goal? Until Christ 
is fully developed in your lives. Until Christ is formed in you or until he's fully developed in you. In you. That's the goal. Not, not until you are a perfect follower of mine, not until you're a, a perfect copy of Apollos, until you are followers of Christ. The goal is and always was to get them yoked to Jesus. Now the other side of that coin is that some believers shirk the responsibility of disciple making because they feel inadequate. They feel like, well, I'm just, I need to leave that to the preachers. I need to leave that to the, more, to the perfect Christians as if there is one of those. Because if I try to go do that, I'm going to mess somebody up. You won't if you understand that discipleship is not about showing them you. It's about showing them Jesus. You don't have to be something you're not. You just have to be honest with the people around you and show them what you do, and that's get yoked up to Jesus. So here's the question. Are you trying to get people to watch you, to depend on you, to be impressed with you, to get connected to you, or are you trying to get people connected to Jesus? You are never the big ox. Now, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Um, there are only two slots. There's only two slots. Uh, I want you to look at, uh, at another picture. One more picture. Uh, this is minus the cute little oxen, okay? That's, the, that's what the yoke lo- looks like. That's a wooden yoke, and they stick their necks in there. Um, now, I grew up in the country, I, but I'm no expert on ancient farming techniques. We didn't have an ox, Okay. Um, but I, I didn't see any yokes uh, that were, in my research, I, I didn't see any yokes that were made for three or four oxen, only two. Now, if they needed more ox power, they might string uh, yokes together. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that was the, the prophet Elijah used a 12 yoke of oxen. That, that's that's two, 12 pairs of oxen, that, but they were always two by two. Please understand this. When, when Jesus said, come and take my yoke and learn of me, it was an invitation to a personal relationship with just the two of you. Just the two of you. Here's why that's important. Coming to church is absolutely essential to uh, the life of a believer, to, to becoming a disciple. And, and some have to attend virtually. Uh, and, and that's fine, but, but you still have to make it a priority in your life to tune in, to engage, to, to keep it for, uh, in the forefront of your, of your life. But the reality is we may all be sitting together, but not everybody is being discipled. We may all be hearing a message at the same time, but not everybody is being discipled. The word may be going out, but not everybody is receiving it. It, it may be being taught, but it's not necessarily being learned and applied. See, discipleship happens in relationship. And I've said this lots of times, too. There, there's no discipleship without fellowship. That, that's part of the discipleship process. We learn from each other. Iron sharpening iron. Teaching, learning, growing through the ups and downs of life. But at the end of the day, the best you can do for someone is push them towards Jesus. At some point, they have to get yoked to him for themselves. It's a personal decision. 
You say, but shouldn't people in church be growing together like at the same time? Absolutely. But it's you and Jesus and me and Jesus and those people across the aisle from you and Jesus. Each of us with Jesus because there's only two slots and Jesus is always the big ox. There's only room for you and him. See, God has lots of adopted kids, thank the Lord, but he's got no grandkids and no stepkids and no guests sleeping over. None none of that. Each of us have to have our own relationship with Jesus. But our church should be a whole team of people yoked to Jesus individually, but all working for the common goal and the common good, all pulling in the same direction. But don't forget, only two slots in the yoke. They have to get there themselves. You see, it's possible to get people into a disciple-making church and they're still not disciples. They can learn the same material. They might enjoy it. They might be fascinated by it. They might be able to quote it. Did you know that they said of Ezekiel in the word that they showed up to hear Ezekiel preach? They weren't believers. They weren't even Jews. They, They showed up to hear Ezekiel preach because he was an entertaining preacher. But they didn't hear what he said. They didn't receive what he said until you can be in the best disciple-making church in the world, but until it's internalized personally, processed through what Jesus is saying to you about it personally and applied by the Holy Spirit in your life personally, then you're still not a disciple. The two slots also means everybody's path is unique. When you're teaching an entire class or a congregation like like I'm doing right now, you have to teach one thing to many people. There's just no other way to do it otherwise. In the yoke of discipleship with Jesus, he teaches everything to one person. That's the difference. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Gospel of John of the Holy Spirit? He said his job is to lead us and guide us to all truth, remind us of all all the things that Jesus said and did. That is a very personal and individualized approach, but it's the only way to make disciples instead of robots. Now, here's what I mean. What one person needs to know at any given moment might be different than what someone else needs to know. Y'all still with me? It's entirely possible that two people could be yoked to Jesus for the same amount of time, both of them honestly growing and going after him, pursuing Jesus, but one may have already gotten victory in one area of their lives while the other person is still bound in that area. Or this person may have a revelation about one aspect of discipleship that the first one hasn't gotten yet. So what's wrong? Not a thing in the world. There's nothing wrong. They just grow at different rates and in different areas because the big ox is teaching the little ox what they need to know as they need to know it. Did you know that um, all three of our grandbabies are doing different things? Those little boogers, Paisley is a couple of months younger, but she's better at some of the developmental things than the twins are. And the twins, born two minutes apart, aren't even doing the exact same things as the other one at the same time. 
Why? Because they're different people. Do you have more than one child? Do any of you have more than one child? Do you parent them the same way? No, you do not. Well, you shouldn't. No, you don't. Do you have a brother or a sister in your, in your life? Did your parents treat you all the same? No, they did not. They, the others were always their favorites, right? They always treated them better than they treated you. They did not treat you all the same way. Why? Because you're different. You can't, you can't do that. No two people are alike. The church has got to learn that making disciples is not the same as making clones. They're unique individuals. All of us are. Different pasts, different gifts, different experiences. God has different plans for each of us. We don't all have to learn the same things at the same time. We just get people into the yoke with Jesus and let him show them what they need to know when they need to know it. And we just be patient and supportive and encouraging and pray for them. Only two slots. One for Jesus and one for them. Should we encourage people and help people and watch out for them? Of course we should. But as long as they're still yoked to Jesus and they're still earnestly following where he's leading, let's trust them to get there and pray for them as they go. And then here's the biggest advantage to being yoked to Jesus, being in the slot with Jesus and only Jesus. You learn from the original and not from the copy. I've learned a lot from people over the years. Um, as we were putting the roof on the Coley building, wasn't even the Coley building then, that was our church. But when we got here in 97, that was a flat roof up there. It had the A-frame, um, but the rest of the building was a flat roof, and it just leaked like a sieve. So pretty quick, we, we borrowed the money and we put a roof on it. Uh, and we did most of the work ourselves. Uh, and, and we all lived. I don't know how we all lived. I did fall through the roof, but that's a whole other story for another time. But we, we did most of the work ourselves. Um, one of the things, that, of course, I had never done much of construction or anything like that. So one of the things they emphasized to me is that if we were using a pattern, always cut to the original. Don't use the one you just cut as the pattern for the next one you're going to cut. Because what happens is that there might be just a little bit of difference in the one you cut from the original. Well, that probably won't make a difference in the two of them. But when you multiply that uh, over 15 or 20 pieces, it can make the difference in something fitting or not fitting. Something being usable or wasting a, a, a whole piece of lumber, which now is like $1,000. So, when we're yoked only to Jesus... He gets to create us in his image, not in the image of another follower. Does that make sense? He, he doesn't want you measuring yourself against how I'm doing because I'm coming up short myself in a lot of areas. He wants you to look to him so you can see the perfect original and it makes all the difference in the world. Jesus said, y'all come on and play something. Jesus said this in Luke he said, the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. He said, pray that, that God, the Lord of the harvest, would send laborers into the fields. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a follower of Jesus, consider yourself sent. 
in answer to the prayer of Jesus. The command of Jesus was clear. He said, go. Go make disciples. Where you do that? In the harvest field. Go out there and make disciples. But we have to make sure that we're making disciples of Jesus and only Jesus and only after we've chosen to follow him ourselves. He didn't call us to ride around the fields, to talk about the fields, to analyze the fields, or to avoid the fields so we don't get uh, soiled by those dirty people in the field. Ministry is messy business, but it's time to engage the blades and get in the disciple-making business, not just as a church, but as individuals. Because that's the call. Y'all stand with me, please. Say, John, this seems like a big uh, U-turn from from all the time that you've spent on uh, talking about getting free and, and, and and all the things we've been talking about in the last few weeks. Listen, why is it that I want the church free, that God wants the church free? so that we can, in turn, get out into the fields and work for Him with nothing holding us back, or at least with less than we had yesterday. It's important that we get free so we can go set other people free by leading them to the yoke uh, of Jesus. It's our testimony. It's where we came from. And then we can share that with somebody else, one by one by one. And so it's important for us to do that. And I just want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today. Look into your heart and see if at at your core you are a disciple and you are a disciple maker. All right? We're going to pray. They're going to sing a song and the altars will be open. You are welcome to come and pray about anything. Listen, there's lots of stuff to pray about um, just inside our church with people who are sick, uh, with, with uh, things going on in people's lives and certainly around our, our nation and our world there are plenty of things that we need to pray about if you haven't had time this week um, why don't you spend three or four minutes out here down here praying ain't nobody going to assume anything about you but take the time while you have the time rather than stand there why don't you spend the next few minutes and pray Father I just thank you for your word and I thank you for the call God I thank you that you Uh, that you even allow us into your harvest fields. Lord, you've qualified us by what you did on the cross and and, and, and you have made us uh, able by your spirit. I pray, God, that this is our our challenge, that this is our life's goal, that every day we get up, making sure that two things get done, that we uh, become a, a, a closer and better disciple of you and that we look for opportunities to go and make disciples of others. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that, help us to see it, help us to live it and breathe it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770 537 
770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.